opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. everyone, you're listening to Main Menu for the 18th of November 2016. This is your co-host Jason Castingway speaking. This week we bring to you an interview with Jeremy Cooperstock of McGill University regarding a GPS app for the iPhone called Autour, or in the proper French-Canadian pronunciation, Autour. Next, yours truly does the all-new Amazon Echo Dot unboxing. Janine likes to call it my new little friend. <laughs> Also, before we get started, we wanted to inform you that due to a number of things going on for all of us personally, and in the interest of continuing to provide you with quality content, Main Menu is moving to a bi-weekly schedule, unless otherwise noted. Thank you for your continued support, and happy listening. Hi, everyone. This is Janine Stanley for Main Menu, and today, Jason and I are here to talk with Jeremy Cooperstock about Autour, which is a GPS app for the iPhone. And hello, Jeremy. Thank you for hello, joining Jeanine. us. Thanks for having me on. Great. And let's talk a little bit about this. I heard about this app first through the Applebee's community and uh, actually I think a post on their forums. And could you tell us a little bit about this particular GPS project? Sure. Because it is a project. <laughs> yeah, it's a long-term project. We've been uh, at work on it since, I think, 2009 when uh, we started with the initial concept and uh, been sort of iterating and improving ever since then. Um, Otool is an app that is conceived as being a sort of sensory substitute uh, in giving to the visually impaired and the blind community an awareness of what's around you. So it's not intended to be a replacement for a cane or a guide dog, nor is it intended to be, you know, strictly a GPS navigation app. It's really more something that is intended to augment your experience as you walk around your environment, wherever that may be, if it's close to home or outside of your familiar area or even in a new city. And it's supposed to tell you basically points of interest in your vicinity. What is around you? Uh, what sort of intersections are you passing? What services are available? What uh, public transit uh, stops are you passing by and so forth? Basically acting as, as what we call neon signs for the blind. Wow. And it does it in quite a unique way, too, uh, through your headphones. And you recommend use of bone conduction headphones. And I have actually tried this. And I have to say, it was pretty cool how it presented the data. Can you describe to people a little bit about what they're going to hear when they put on their bone conduction headphones and, and actually try out the app? Absolutely. So uh, what we, we use in O'Toole and what one of the factors that really distinguishes this app from others that are intended 
intended for the blind and the visually impaired is that we make use very heavily of spatialized audio. That's the taking advantage of the fact that humans have two ears. And based on the difference in the time and the intensity of the signal that arrives at your two ears, the human brain has a remarkable capacity to judge the direction from which sounds are coming. And we use that ability uh, which is rendered in a very simple manner to give to the users a vivid impression of where these points of interest are relative to their current position and their orientation, so which way you're facing. And to do that or to have that effect, it is, of course, necessary that you have headphones that are over or near both your left and your right ear. So it can be, as you said, bone conduction headphones that sit on the bone. They can be uh, sort of air drives that sit above the ear and, and be or above the two ears and beam the sound in. But with that ability or with those devices, as you're walking around and using O'Toole, you will hear information about these points of interest. You'll hear at least their, their um uh, category name being announced in spatialized audio. And if you're using the radar mode, which is sort of the typical default uh, walking activity, um, you'll also hear a ticking sound as the radar sweep moves around your head. And that's to reinforce the fact that this sort of uh, uh, radar is probing points of interest at different directions, uh, moving gently or moving slowly around you in a 360 degree manner. And you actually do hear this as you have the headphones on. It is a gentle ticking from left to right. And, <clears throat> and around behind you. <laughs> and around behind you, absolutely. And I, I, that I just found fascinating. In fact, I, I stopped. I was walking with a sighted person and I actually stopped and she said, what? I said, oh, this is so cool. Listen to this. And I <laughs> gave her the headphones and uh, it was pretty neat, actually. And it, it is literally a kind of sweeping, uh, I won't say beam because we don't want to confuse that with what I'm about to talk about. But um, it is kind of a sweeping signal that goes around and, and looks for these points of interest as you're walking, which I thought was fascinating. Fascinating. Um, so the way that the app works is that it does rely on the position of your phone to give you different information. Can you explain that a little bit to folks? Yes. So the two sensors that we make use of in the phone are, of course, the GPS to get your spatial coordinates where you are in the world and the compass, which gives you your orientation, which way you're facing. Now, of course, the compass is necessary so that when we render audio through the spatialized um, spatialized audio engine, if a point of interest is on your left, it's important that you hear it on your left. So knowing which way you're facing is, of course, a, a critical part of that operation. And uh, of course, if, you, if you're holding the phone backwards, well, you have to tell, tell O'Toole the way in which the phone is being held so that it knows how uh, the data or how these points are arranged relative to your, to your body and the way you're facing. So O'Toole has... Uh, in its preference menu, the ability to uh, specify whether you're holding the phone in your hand, in which case the typical kind of way you hold the phone is with the screen facing you, or if you have the phone in a pouch around your neck, in which case the phone screen is typically facing away from you. And if you don't give it that correct information, then things are going to come out backwards. So we don't want to to confuse the user and have them feel, oh, you know, it's announcing a, a coffee shop on my left, but it's in fact on your right. So this is where the knowledge of the 
the phone orientation is necessary to inform the device how it's supposed to make sense of that compass information. Aha, and that neck pouch setting, that works for a pocket too, because I think most of us put the phone in our pocket, you know, facing outward. Uh, So I I had mine in my uh, front pants pocket and it worked perfectly. Yeah, so the drawback with having it in your pant pocket is that you have difficulty interacting with the screen. And we've designed O'Toole deliberately with a lot of uh, uh, feedback and a lot of participation from members of the blind community here in Montreal uh, in order to be minimally uh, requiring interaction with the screen because we don't want you to feel encumbered and have to sort of, oh, what is that function? How do I access this? Most of the interaction with the phone is really very simple, just with an occasional tap and with an occasional tilting of the screen. But if the phone is in your pocket, it's, of course, difficult to access and and perform those operations. Right. Right. And I actually did end up, you know, taking it out of my pocket, putting it back in, taking it out. So it was sort of a kind of a balancing act uh, as I was looking at the different features. But for the radar feature, I just found it really fun to just put it in my pocket, tap the screen once and away it went. Sure. And that is, of course, the, the if you're primarily relying on radar mode for your day-to-day kind of use of the app, then you're right. Once you start it up with that one tap, you don't really have to touch it again unless at some point you want more information uh, about a particular point of interest that was announced, or of course, you want to pause it. Wow. Now, there are other modes. Let's talk about beam mode. Well, beam mode is uh, something that we developed fairly recently. I think it was just sort of in the last year that we we started uh, refining and and changing some of our our functionality. And it's really the mode that got me the most excited uh, because it really empowers the user and gives you this sort of sense that you are actively in control of what you're probing. In a sense, it's it's sort of like active vision for, for the blind because because you use the phone almost like a flashlight, pointing it in the direction that you want to find out more about. And that beam that sort of magically illuminates from the phone lights up the points of interest that are in front of the phone in the direction you're pointing with it. And it's uh, you know dynamically changing as you turn around with the phone and you point it in different directions, it automatically recasts the beam in that orientation and illuminates the points of interest along that new that new heading. Um, and really a lot of fun uh, when you sort of have an expectation of what's around because, oh yeah, look, it's working. It's telling me these things here and there and it's lighting up the, the bus stop and it's lighting up the gas station and it's lighting up the dry cleaners. And then I turn over this way and it lights up the, the uh, corner store and the supermarket. Um, it's really uh, quite quite an exciting feeling. And interesting, you know, you, you mentioned before your experience of stopping and and of having your sighted friend uh, use the device, we found that as sighted users, there's an equal benefit uh, that we derive from using the app because there's so many places around us, even in familiar areas, that we're not aware of because they're hidden, they're either, you know they're behind uh, you know another shop or they're upstairs in a second story of a building that we we didn't realize there was another commercial operation there. And O'Toole, because it's tapping into the database of all these things, is announcing for us information about places that we had no idea existed right in our own midst. 
Wow. And I thought of it like kind of glancing around, you know, I could actually move my phone where I would be glancing or, you know, oh, let me see what's over to the left. Oh, let me just look over there and use the phone that way. It's similar to a function in another GPS program that we've talked about here. Nearby Explorer has a similar function. And to use beam mode, you would be holding the phone with the screen up toward the sky, correct? That's right. Excellent. Good. I did it right. (laughs) It definitely worked. And we have in my neighborhood a lot of home businesses, and they are listed in the various databases. And it actually located most of them that I knew about and a couple that I didn't know about. So that was kind of interesting and fun. And it's like, you know, we have a lot of consultants and a lot of people who do, you know, um, different kinds of home businesses. So that was kind of fun to look around and see just what was around. And uh, I think that would be fun in a new city, really, to kind of go down the block and look um, or stop it at, you know, in front of your hotel and see what all is around you. I think that would exactly. be really fun. Yeah, what, what we're hoping is that with this sort of ability, it will actually empower users and give them greater sense of confidence and autonomy to explore areas that they wouldn't otherwise feel comfortable walking around because they do get that richer information about their, their environment as they're, as they're walking. So, of course, you rely on your, on your cane or your guide dog for safety, but now you get an extra layer of information that would otherwise be inaccessible to you unless you had a sighted person walking beside you sort of whispering in your ear as you're as you're going about great and are there any other modes that i have missed here well there's the the uh sort of tell me what's around what's uh where i am and what my phone's uh, status is at any point and that's accessible with a double tap and you can you can activate that at any time and that uh, reads out your current address and it gives you a brief summary of the points of interest around you for example it'll say uh you know your current address is uh, 232 main street and up to 20 meters in front of you are two coffee shops one restaurant, one supermarket, two bus stops. And uh, it's a nice kind of quick summary of getting a feel for, do I want to now use beam mode to explore further or do I just want to jump into radar mode and continue walking along? Sure. Sure. And that's very similar to, I remember reading uh, your post in the Apple Viz uh, forum that this is very similar to Blind Square and how you can kind of check your position as you're moving along in space. Oh, okay. I am where I thought I am. Great. Now let's see what's around. And uh, I like the addition of all of the different pieces there that are around you. Now, can we change it from meters to feet? I believe so. I have to check to see whether we've implemented that at present. It was certainly one of the requests that we had from uh, one of our users uh, even before we had uh, made uh, the app uh, supported outside of Canada. Um, as of present, uh, the app works around the world, and we have public data, public transit data, I should say, for I think about 500 different uh, transport companies internationally. So we certainly do want to make sure that we're supporting users who are, are non-metric in their uh, in their distances and I'll just have to check and see whether that's currently in the the preference settings we have I, I feel already way too many uh, preference options but we keep <laughs> we keep getting requests for more of them and I'm, I tend to be very conservative in terms of what I'll let my developers add to the system but sure. uh, something something like switching to feed is certainly something that we've talked about and if it's not in there and we should have I that think it may actually be because I I like to whenever I 
I get an app, I like to go through all the settings and just see what they are and see how they can be changed and everything. And um, as I recall, there were some great, you know, variables for settings in there. And um, it looked quite interesting. Uh, this is a self, self-voicing app also, right? Uh, self-voicing. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Yeah, so that would mean that it doesn't rely on voiceover, that it's got a voice with it that speaks, you know, um, for the app. So you don't actually have to do a lot of swiping around the screen or be in a specific position with voiceover. Or if you don't use voiceover, this app is still going to talk to you. That's I right. That was pretty nice. I like yeah, that. Yeah, the, the voice, the voiceover uh, requirement is really. I mean, for if you're uh, visually impaired or blind, of course, when you go into the preferences, when you go into those menus and need to sort of go through different settings, at that point, it's all voiceover. But in the main use of the app, when you're operating beam mode and radar and uh, getting the current location information, that's all done uh, just with the the built-in uh, default voice that you've uh, selected. Great. And are you able to select different voices? Yes, but that's not an O'Toole function. That's a, an iOS function. And actually, I only discovered uh, that ability from uh, the feedback to the Apple Viz post <laughs> as well, where somebody was asking about that. And I did a little bit of poking around and I saw, oh, yeah. And right now I've uh, also removed Samantha and I've substituted for some other voice on the phone just to sort of see that it works. So, oh, yes, that good. is possible. And uh, we will be coming out with an O'Toole, uh, sorry, an Android port of O'Toole, uh, uh, hopefully oh, in the next fabulous. month or so, so that it's available to a wider community as well. Oh, wonderful. I'm sure our, our Android folks out there will be very happy to hear that because this particular GPS program for the moment is free. That's, That's right. And we're intending to keep it that way as much as possible. Wow. That is impressive. And this is a project of McGill University, is that correct? That is right. Excellent. And what are some of the goals of the overall project long term? What are you looking to get out of developing this app and uh, taking a look at how people use it? Well, that's uh, you've asked a really good question because we're we we did some uh, early research in the development cycles where we were looking into the uh, the user interface design and iteration and trying to learn how best to design apps that responded to the needs of the community and uh, looked at some of the long term usage effects of how Otil would influence people's uh, behavior. Uh, but at this point, now that we've got it deployed and it's being used by several thousand people, we're really interested in seeing, you know, what what sort of effects it has in a larger scale. So there's that element that we have to figure out what kinds of questions would be appropriate to ask and build into a research study and figure out how we can actually operate and manage that study. And then we have our, our longer-term development goals and objectives as to what we'd like to see O'Toole become, what sorts of added functionality are exciting for us for the near future. And uh, we have a, a lot of a lot of uh, sort of short-term and a lot of uh, very uh, ambitious long-term objectives, uh, you know, sort of seeing how O'Toole can, can sort of bridge the gap 
from being simply uh, a, a tool that augments your awareness of the environment to a tool that plays more of a sensory uh, assistive role in, for example, helping you identify a place you want to go to and then guiding you right into the doorway. So really taking advantage of more sensors on the phone, such as the camera, uh, in order to determine where a doorway might be. And uh, wow. we also have functionality that we've experimented with in the past that we'd like to reintegrate that helps ensure that you maintain a straight path as you're walking across an intersection so that you don't have to worry about veering uh, off of the, the straight lines and having a risk of uh, getting hit by a car. So some of those sorts of capabilities are, are elements that we'd very much like to see integrated uh, as soon as possible. Wow. And that would be amazing. That was one of the reasons why I got a guide dog, was I have a terrible veering habit with a cane. And I'm just thinking of large parking lots in shopping spaces where you get off maybe a, a bus and you've got to cross the parking lot to get to the door. And even with a guide dog, it is really easy to get off track in a parking lot. And uh, with a cane, it can sometimes just be maddening in a parking lot. So, wow, that would be a pretty amazing thing to have added to um, this app and, and kind of a functionality suite of an app like this that a feature that you could invoke. Wow. Yeah, so so to be clear, I mean, as you I'm sure can imagine, this is a, a daunting challenge. And, oh, yes. Uh, it's, it's not not the sort of thing that we can snap your fingers and have it realized overnight, but we have some ideas as to how to approach it, and uh, this is something that we're actively pursuing and hoping to, to achieve some success in. Wow, and I think people would never have thought of, in fact, this is the first time I've really heard of some of these things of um, addressing straight line concepts and addressing, you know, um, looking at uh, using the camera to search for doors and things like that. Um, this is the first time I've heard of some of this. So this is pretty exciting. I, I think it's just we're just reaching the tip of the iceberg as to what we can do with some of this technology. Yeah, well, I certainly don't want to take credit for ideas that others have come up with. I mean, the, the idea of straight line guidance and anti-veering uh, systems, as well as using the camera to augment uh, one's experience of their environment, are not uh, our brand new ideas. There are others who have uh, dabbled in this space as well. Um, it's you know very much a, a large research community who's active in, in trying to make the world a better place. And we're uh, just you know one of many people or one of many groups who are uh, involved in this area. Awesome. So let's talk about where the map data comes from for Otur. Where does that data come from? Well, we make use of several different sources of information. I believe that for intersections, we use OpenStreetMap. And for points of interest, so the, the identities of the, uh, the services and the stores and the banks uh, and uh, uh, what else is in there, um, restaurants, cafes, uh, basically, you know, all, all of these sorts of uh, items that you would find of a commercial nature or of a service nature come from either Google Places or from the Foursquare uh, data set. And uh, those are selectable. Some, some places uh, users find Foursquare more interesting. Other places people find Google uh, Places more interesting. So you have your option uh, within the app as to which one you want to use as your, as your source. And then, as I mentioned before, we have public transit data that we've scraped from the transit feed site uh, that they provided uh, 
hundreds of, uh, of GTFS. Uh, that's a sort of common protocol or standard for representing public transit data. And they provided that for uh, hundreds of agencies around the world. And we've been able to uh, import that data into our, our own database. Fabulous. And I would tell our listeners that if you are not seeing your transit system in some of these GPS apps that do have this capability, including Apple Maps and uh, and all of the blindness-specific GPS apps, um, talk to them and make sure that they have a GTFS feed. And I I'm, I'm believe that stands for Global Transportation Feed Service, I think, something something of that ilk. But um, it, it that is certainly a standard, and most transportation agencies have it. A few don't, but they're coming coming around. So um, there is hope out there for everyone to get their transit feeds in. Yes, indeed. My final question for you before we go into your contact information and how people can find the app in the App Store, um, you mentioned the hearing aspect of this app. What about someone with, say, a hearing loss or imbalanced hearing? Maybe I hear more uh, out of the left ear than the right ear. How does that work with the app? We haven't uh, really investigated whether it's feasible to get a reasonable uh, perception of uh, sort of spatial locations uh, if you have a hearing imbalance or if uh, your audition is is impaired to the degree where you're really only uh, hearing things in a fairly monophonic uh, manner. Um, if that's the case, you're probably going to benefit from O'Toole just to the degree that uh, you're hearing the places in your vicinity, but without uh, definitive knowledge in radar mode of where they are. So if you want to know where objects are, places of interest around you, you would have to rely at that point on beam mode because then you have the specificity of where you're pointing. And uh, you don't really direction. care at that point. Yes, you don't care at that point how it sounds, because if you hear it, you know that it's in the direction you're, you're pointing the phone. And it would Certainly. be you know, available in that manner. Certainly. Have you all given any uh, thought to haptic feedback? That seems to be uh, something that's coming of age now as we have the iPhone and all of the peripherals that go along with it. Have you thought of any uh, device that might provide some haptic feedback along with the app? Well, we've done more than think about it. We've actually, uh, for the last few years, been developing our model of haptic shoes. Uh, uh-huh. And we have, uh, this is, well, my, my laboratory is a, a, what we call a multimodal lab. And we work very much on the three senses of sight, sound, and touch. So we've been very interested for a number of years in the ways in which these get combined and the ways in which different modalities can be exploited for different applications, often in parallel. So when we're talking about apps for the visually impaired, then certainly taking advantage of sound and touch when they're appropriate and in a manner that is most effective is, of course, a sensible direction for us. So with respect to what we can do uh, with haptic shoes, uh, that's one of the avenues where we feel that the guidance feedback, for example, helping you maintain a straight path is an obvious one. It's also a nice uh, mechanism to provide alerts to you. So if you 
you have uh, general information about points of interest being announced through sound, but then we have to warn you there's an obstacle up ahead, that might be something that's best to kind of give a strong vibration through the shoes and uh, and give you the alert that way. So we're looking into uh, you know how best to to sort of split the feedback through sound and touch and, uh, you know, looking at the, the best way to provide this in a manner that isn't intrusive, but is obvious to the user in terms of what is being communicated to them. And of course, there are other parts of the body where you can have your haptic feedback. Obviously, the phones themselves vibrate, but their capacity for expression is very limited. They have yes. very simplistic motors within them that, that drive the, the vibration, whereas in the shoes uh, that we're using we're able to render quite rich texture. So the kinds of research that we've been doing in our lab are, are uh, using these sorts of devices, not just to give a simple buzzing vibration, but to actually recreate the texture of walking, for example, on different ground surfaces. So we, we began in, in simulating the, the sensation of walking on snow or on ice or on gravel and even stepping into a water puddle. So we can recreate those perceptions for users and often you know, the, the research that was driving this was motivated for uh, very different kinds of applications in virtual reality and simulation training uh, but we can anticipate uh, potential benefits for feedback for the blind and visually impaired as well. Oh wow that is amazing I had no idea that you were also working on this type of haptic experience we had interviewed someone who has a pair of haptic shoes that came from a company in India. Lechol, I assume. Yes, those are it. Yes, those are the shoes. And uh, those seemed interesting, but wow, this is like taking that to the nth degree here. And I was wondering when virtual reality would benefit us as blind and visually impaired people, because I had this feeling that, you know, some of these applications that are being developed are, are definitely going to benefit us in ways that we just can't even imagine at this point in time. Yes. Well, I, I think that, you know, what you're looking at with O'Toole, we, we wouldn't consider it virtual reality. It's really augmented reality because it's taking the reality of the world around you and it is enriching it, right? It's providing wow. you with a greater awareness of, of you know, the, your, your physical environment through, through the ability to add to what you hear. So it's not virtual, it's it's uh, added an extra layer, and that's called uh -huh. augmented reality. So it's already here. We're already benefiting from wow. these capabilities. And if you talked about virtual reality, well, that would be putting you in a make-believe spot. You know, you can sure. do virtual tourism if you like, and teleport yourself <laughs> with O'Toole to a different city and pretend that you're walking around that other city. That would be a virtual reality experience. And that would be truly amazing to give you all of the sensations of being able to walk around another city. Well, we can do that already. Uh, just we, yeah. we haven't considered that of, of necessarily uh, so useful because you you are then decoupled in terms of you walking down a street in Columbus, Ohio, but perceiving yourself to be in Paris. Well, what sure. happens if your street is, uh, I don't know, 200 yards uh, long, but the equivalent street that you're walking down in Paris is 500 <laughs> yards? You're going to have a bit of a perceptual conflict there. So yes. not, not sure that's such a wise idea. This sounds too. like too many Pokemon Go players this summer. <laughs> I, 
I watched my nephew do that this summer, and I, I was just stunned at how he could process all of that information and not run into a wall or something <laughs> or walk out in the street. Well, that's where you watch your obstacle avoidance mechanisms to be warning you about yes, those walls. Yes, and I, there's another use for some of these things. <laughs> well, Jeremy, how can people find the app in the App Store? I believe you can search for it just by typing in O'Toole. That's A-U-T-O-U-R. If you don't find it that way, you can go to our website, which is O'Toole.McGill. That's M-C-G-I-L-L dot C-A. And that gives links to the download site as well, along with further information about the app and uh, various uh, uh, news feeds and uh, information about where we're heading. Wonderful. And if people want to keep up with you and the app development, are there Twitter uh, handles that they can follow you and ways they can follow you on uh, any other social media? Well, I think that the best uh, location for people who are interested specifically on our app uh, would probably be to sign up on our uh, Google uh, groups, the O'Toole Google groups, for which we have a link on the O'Toole page as well. And uh, our development team, uh, primarily myself, have been uh, posting uh, updates as we have information about, for example, there was a a bug that we only discovered after the post on AppleViz, and we we warned people about that, and we informed them when we had the fix for that available, uh, added information about, uh, you know, when new transit sources were available. So that's that's a good place to go for that. Uh, my own Twitter handle is jcooperstock. So first initial of my first name, Jeremy, and then my last name, Cooperstock. Uh, but I haven't really tweeted too much about O'Toole on there. I, I'm more of a consumer rights advocate in my spare time, and I've been tweeting a lot about uh, my my battles with various evil companies. Uh, through that <laughs> so I'm not sure quite quite the same interest to to your uh, community there, but uh, oh, all depends on the evil company, I think. So. <laughs> Great. Well, we wish you and your team all the best in the future. We'll definitely be following the project. And when you get the haptic shoes ready for more feedback, please um, drop me a line. We would love to talk more about them on Main Menu and any continued research that you're doing. And uh, for now, I would like to thank you for joining us. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Janine. And I hope the community gets uh, a chance to try O'Toole and hopefully finds it useful. And we would, of course, welcome any feedback that uh, your listeners would like to offer. Great. And please, folks, go out and grab the app. It is free. It will hopefully continue to be free. But certainly, I am sure the good folks at McGill would uh, would appreciate any kind of donation if that is possible out there. So, And certainly, good word of mouth is always, um, is always appreciated by everybody. This has been Janine Stanley with my producer extraordinaire, Jason Castingway, wishing you a very happy evening. Hey everybody on Main Menu, this is your co-host Jason Castingway, and I'm inviting you to participate with me in an unboxing. I decided to get one of the all-new Echo Dots, and I don't know what makes it all new because I never had the previous one, but I figured I'd go through the unboxing with you and we'll see what it's all about. Let me go get said box. Okay, first of all, I am amazed at how small this box is, uh, and it's very lightweight. I wanted to get this Echo Dot for the bedroom, 
the original echo that I have is in the kitchen and that's great um, but I decided it is nice to have a device you can just talk to and have it do things and okay I've got the box here and we got the bubble stuff on top <laughs> wow and inside that or underneath that is this box in a bag it's very small let me put the box down here and this bag is just uh, feels like it's taped shut and I'm going to open that and wow here it is so put the bag here and we have a box that looks like it could have been hanging on any retail rack uh, it's got the little tab with the place for the uh, the rod with the hook and it appears to be taped shut in all sorts of interesting ways. Let me just look at it a little bit here. Oh, here we go. And inside the box I'm pulling out what appears to be cardboard that has everything inside it, so I'm just pulling it out carefully. It feels like the cord and everything is wrapped in here. Very neat packaging. Okay, so I'm just making sure, yeah, there's nothing left in the outer box, so... Okay, the dot feels like a very... Uh, thick hockey puck. Not incredibly thick, but thick enough. And uh, it came with... It, I'm, I'm pulling it out now and it's got papers and things attached to it and uh, little plasticky things to make sure you don't scratch it. I'm going to pull that off now. Uh -huh. Okay. Is there one? There's one along the sides too. Pulling that off. I already see buttons on here. Feels like the top of it feels similar to the original Echo, but it uh, isn't exactly because it has more than two buttons. It's got the button with the dot on it, which I'm guessing is the action button. That's on the right hand side, I think I said that. And then there's one on top, one on the bottom, and one on the left. So there are four buttons total, and it is very lightweight has that shiny feel like a kind of reminds me of the Apple TV except it's perfectly round instead of square and with these buttons on top so I'm just realizing that I bet these uh, buttons are having the two buttons that I didn't think would be there are for volume because you can't turn a ring like you can on the original so let me put this down for a second and investigate the rest of the packaging oops I'm holding on to the wrong thing <laughs> There's all these little pieces here now. Okay, here we go. Oops, something fell on my foot. Oh, but it's just a card. That's okay. So it looks like the only other piece in here is a power cord, which feels like nothing more than a USB type cord. And then the other end looks like it plugs into the back of the Echo, uh, 
dot, I should say, the echo dot. And I meant to tell you that the echo dot appears to have two ports in the back, and they are this very small, almost reminds me of a lightning port. And then the other looks like an eighth inch headphone jack type thing. Okay, yes. And that's all there is. And then in this package we have, if I can get it out, ah yes, a nice little USB, you know, it's a plug with a, with the other end has a USB um, port in it, so you plug this this uh, USB power cord into that once it's plugged in, and then the other end goes right into the Echo Dot. Isn't that interesting? Okay, I'm trying to get some of the stickies off of this because it's all wrapped too, so it doesn't get scratched. Okay, so now I have all the pieces I need. I just need to find a good spot for the Echo. And I'm thinking right now, I'll just put it right here. It's so low profile it won't obstruct the view of the television. Because, uh, you know, I, I spend lots of time looking at the television. Uh, <laughs> I see it has all these lights around the edge, just like the Echo has. So I imagine they light up in different colors and show you whether it's hearing you or what's going on. And I'm going to take the one end and plug it into the USB adapter so that we then plug that into the wall. Or actually, I have a plug strip here that I need to get to. Okay, I'm about to plug this into the dot. And it appears that it will only go one way because the way I'm plugging it in now does not work. Let's try it the other way. There we go. And now, with any luck, we'll be hearing it in a minute. Hello. Your Amazon Echo Dot is ready for setup. Just follow the instructions in your Alexa app. Okay. So, I'm going to go I have my phone right here. I'm going to go to the Alexa app. 1916. Two notifications. Unlock this. Nav and search and folder. Nine apps. Two new page three of four. Audio folder. Visual writing folder. Alexa. Actions available. Alexa. Drive. Home. Close the show. Let go. Okay. Welcome. Election countdown. Heading level one. Election okay. countdown. America heads to the voting booth. Welcome. I see my one. typical screen here. Let's see. Amazon is excited to bring you Alexa on Jason's Echo Dot. Please refer to the provider's website for details and supported Alexa features and functionality. Follow the link below to customize your Alexa experience. Oh, okay. Customize Alexa. Link. Remove card. Link. Learn more. Link. Remove. Customize Alexa. Link. Uh, this is just yeah. off of my main screen, but I think I still have to set Alexa up. Jason's Echo Dot, link. Settings, link. Alexa devices, heading level. Jason's Echo Dot, link. Image. Jason's Echo Online, link. Okay. Jason's Echo, link. Jason's Echo Dot, link. Here we go. Back, edit. Jason's Echo Dot, off, off. Bluetooth, pair device, remote, sounds and notifications. Device name, edit. Device look, settings, okay. link. Jason's Echo Dot, heading level 4. Update Wi Fi, link. Image. 
Yep, I've got to update the Wi-Fi. I know that, and I expected that. So update Wi-Fi link. I can do that first. Press. So I double tap that, and we get. Action buttons for five seconds. I just know that's the one on the right with the dot on it. Wi-Fi isn't set up on your Echo Dot. For help, go to your Alexa app. Yeah, that's where I am already. Wi-Fi isn't set up on your Echo Dot. Uh, For help, go to your Alexa app. Did I, uh, let's see. Action dot. Press action button for five seconds. Heading level three. Wi-Fi isn't set up on your Echo Dot. For help, go to your Alexa app. Okay, that's where I am now. Press action button for five seconds. Heading injection dot. To start Wi-Fi setup, press and hold the action button for five seconds. Wait until Echo Dot tells you it is ready and the light ring turns orange, then continue. Continue button. Okay, we hit continue. Connect, connect your iPhone to Echo Dot. Go to your Wi-Fi settings on this iPhone and select the Amazon 2RD network. It may take up to a minute to display. Wait until Echo Dot says you are connected, then return to the screen. Cancel okay. setup. Don't see the orange light ring. Let me do that. Alexa. Alexa. Doc. Settings. Wi-Fi isn't settings. set up on your Echo Dot. For help, go to your Alexa app. Settings. Wi-Fi. Selected. Jcast wireless. If Jcast wireless other, ask to join networks. No networks will be joined automatically. If no networks other, Jcast wireless. Looking for the Amazon. Wi-Fi on. The Echo Dot. Choose Jcast other. Ask to join networks. Off. No networks will be joined automatically. If no known networks are available, yes, yes. manually select a network. No networks will be joined automatically. I did this incorrectly. If no known networks are available, you will have to manually select a network. Now in setup mode. Follow the instructions in your Alexa app. Okay. So I did that. Wi-Fi. All selected. Jcast Wireless 24, secure, signal strength 86, selected, Wi-Fi, all, Am Jcast, Amazon 2RD, signal strength 91%. There it is. Actions available. Selected, Amazon 2RD, signal strength 91%, Jcast Wireless 24, secure, signal strength 86%. You've connected to Echo Dot. Secure, Go ahead and finish the setup in your Alexa app. Okay, go back to that. Alexa, app message, Alexa, app. Alexa, Amazon Echo app, now, set up. Choose a device to set up. Heading level three. By proceeding, you agree to the terms found here. Link a picture of an echo. Link echo. Hands free convenience with a light. Link in a picture of a tap. Link hands free convenience with a light ring for status. Link echo. Heading level hand tap. Heading level. Oh, three. I see. Link. I have to choose the device I'm setting up. Portable wireless speaker for Alexa tap. Heading level. Hands free access. Echo dot. Heading level three. Link echo dot. Hands free access to link image. I just want to make sure it's not all new or that I'm supposed to choose. Cancel setup. Okay, link. good. Hands free access to Alexa through your echo dot. Heading echo level three. Dot. Link okay. echo. What do we have now? Echo dot setup. Choose language. Heading level three. English, United States. Pop up button. The selected language settings does not match your Amazon account settings. As a result, Alexa may not always understand what you've said and may have trouble pronouncing things. It choose language. Heading level for English, United States. Pop-up button. That is that is my language. English, English, United States. Pick her item. Adjustable. English, United Kingdom. Deutsch. Deutsch. Okay. English, English, United States. That was strange. I'm not sure why I got that message. Hit. English. Done. English, United States. The selected language settings does not match your Amazon account settings. 
I don't understand why it says that. As a result, Alexa may not always understand what you've said and may have trouble pronouncing things like song names or products on your shopping list. To get the best language experience, please choose English, United States. That's what I chose. Okay, maybe, maybe. Okay, I'm not sure. Anyway. Continue button. Strange part of the experience, but we continue. Begin, begin echo dot setup. Echo dot setup. Heading level. Begin echo dot setup. Heading level three. Let's get your echo dot connected to Wi-Fi so you can start using it. Connect to Wi-Fi button. Okay. Wait for continue. Wait for the orange light ring. Make sure your echo dot is plugged into a power outlet. In about a minute, Echo Dot will tell you that it is ready and the light ring will turn orange. Echo Dot setup. Heading okay. level three. Echo Dot setup. Sometimes it starts reading and I, I would like to read from the top here. Wait for the orange light ring. Heading level three. Make sure your Echo Dot is plugged into a power outlet. In about a minute, Echo Dot will tell you that it is ready and the light ring will turn orange. Then continue. Button. Cancel setup. I think it brought me back to a, a previous step. I'm going to hit continue because I know it's plugged in. Echo Dot setup. Heading level three. Connected to Echo Dot. Heading level three. Please continue with setup. Continue button. That's what I did before. Previously saved to Amazon. Learn more. Other networks. Previously saved. Select your Wi-Fi network. Heading level three. Previously saved. No Wi-Fi networks have been saved. Oh, J has wireless twenty-four. Link. J has wireless five. Link. I'm gonna choose the five network. Password. Connect. Choose a different network. Select your Wi-Fi network. Network. J J has wireless five. Password. Text field is editing. Insertion button. Okay. Okay. So shift that in. Actions. Okay. I have entered the password. We're going to connect. Connect button. Prepare. Prepare your echo dot. This may take a few minutes. Okay. We are waiting. 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 Echo dot setup. Heading level three. Echo dot setup. Main landmark. Prepare your echo dot. Heading level three. This may take a few minutes. Okay. Sounds like the screen refreshed, but it's still saying. Setup. Continue home. Navigation. Sounds like I'm back on my home screen. Okay. Now is the dot going to say anything about that? Let me just review my screen here. Looks like we're back to the screen here. Amazon is excited to bring you Alexa adjacent Echo Dot. Please refer to the provider's website for details on support Alexa features and functionality. Follow the link below to customize your Alexa experience. Customize Alexa. Le remove card. Link. Learn more. Link. Remove We've card. Already done Link. that. I'm home. Heading level one. So I don't know if I'm uh, all set or what. I'm gonna try issuing a simple command. Alexa, what time is it? Okay. I guess I'm not set up yet. <laughs> I don't know why my phone is is back to. Uh, the home screen of the Alexa app. So that's interesting. This has been a little bit strange of a setup here. Alexa, who's ahead in Florida? Link, image. Minus 100, link. Now, is my phone still connected? Minus 100, T-Mobile 3, free Wi-Fi bars. Jcast wireless 5. Okay, the Echo disconnected from my phone, and my phone is back on my home network. So I'm wondering if it's actually downloading a bunch of new data so that it can be all caught up with everything that I've done with my other Echo. I'm going to wait here a little bit longer and see what happens. Alexa, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Well, I said I was going to wait, but I just discovered that it can hear me. Alexa, what time is it? It's 7.28 p.m. 
Okay, so I appear to be set up. Uh, that's interesting. I thought it would have given me some kind of confirmation. Wow, okay. I'm going to... Let me just see what these buttons do. Okay. We have the mute button on the left, just as I suspected. And we have the action button on the right with the dot. And then we have these... I bet these are volume buttons on the top and bottom. Okay, it's beeping at me. Oh, it does go louder. Okay. And I can turn it down. Good. Okay. I get it. So now what I'd like to do, and I think I have to do it within the app, is connect it with my sound bar that's here. Because I think it would sound a whole lot better. It's not bad. It's got a neat little speaker that works pretty well. It sounds better than I thought it would, actually. So I'm going to go back to the app here. That's my clock app. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. <laughs> That's my home screen on the Alexa app. Okay. Election countdown. So Go I want to. Okay, I want the Echo Dot. And I. I believe I saw briefly there was a Bluetooth thing under here. Jason's Echo Dot. Heading left. Update Wi-Fi. Link. Bluetooth. Link. Bluetooth. There we go. I'm gonna hit that. Bluetooth. Link. No devices found. Oh, I see. I think no it's. I think it's waiting for pair a device. And, and yes, made. I want to pair a new device. I have to turn on the sound bar. And this is always tricky because the sound bar is not accessible. It's got some buttons on it, but that's about it. No speech. Nothing. So I'm going to put it into what I believe is Bluetooth mode. Hit this button twice, this selection button. And now I want to go into pairing mode. There we go. I believe I, it made it makes little clicks so you can tell when it switches into different gears. <laughs> so now Alexa, back, blank, settings, select a free, no devices found. Pair a new device button. Yes, pair a new device. Please make sure your speaker is in pairing mode. Available speakers. Cancel Bluetooth setup. Searching okay. ellipses. Six, eight, six, four, four. Event. Please make available speakers. Heading level one. Please make sure your speaker is impairing. Six, eight, six, four, four, B, hmm. three, two, E, F, five, A, link. Apple TV, link, one, four, family room app. Can cancel Bluetooth. No, no, no. Cancel. Family room apples, one, Apple TV, set. Please make sure your I'm speaker is impairing. Your Echo Dot received an important update and must restart. It'll be ready again shortly. Well, that takes care of that. <laughs> Sounds like it's going to restart, and we'll be back in a moment. Okay, it's actually been a while, and I've determined that the dot is ready. It never came up, never said anything, never made a reboot noise. And we're going to try this pairing with the speaker again. I actually went away and did a few things. and. and we're going to go back to Alexa, the app. Actions Alexa. Navigation navigation. Close new feature. Bounty select a size. More. Okay, we're back on the home screen. I'm gonna go to settings. Home. Heading level three. Home. I'm Heading not quite sure how to help you with that. Yeah, that's okay. Selected. <laughs> Music and timers. Skip smart home. Things to settings. Help and settings. settings. Tab. Not select. Alexa. Alexa devices. Heading level. Right. Jason's Echo Dot. Link. There we go. Back. Jason's and we're going to turn on the speaker, the sound bar. 
Jason Techo, update Wi-Fi, link, Bluetooth, link, pair device, remote, link, Bluetooth, link, Bluetooth, Bluetooth, link, back, no devices, no devices found, pair a new device, now it looks like I have to Settings. tell it I want to pair a new device, no devices no devices it doesn't found. automatically go into pairing mode Max. on the dot sure side, so here we go, we're showing up with devices, there we go, sc-whatever, that's the one I want, your device wasn't paired, your device wasn't paired, really, why not? Oh boy, not, Alexa, not my phone's not talking. Here we go. Okay. What do we have here? Oh boy, my phone's acting very strange. I'm going to close Ooh. and reopen the app. Something is really strange here. Alexa, actions available. There we go. Alexa. Navi navigation, close new, more, bounty, select a size. Back more on the home image. screen. Selected. Smart things to try. Settings. Now play. Settings. Settings. Alexa devices. We want Jason's Echo Dot. Back. Jason's. Update Wi-Fi. Bluetooth. Link. Bluetooth. No. No devices found. Pair a new device. Pair a new device. Please make sure your speaker is in pairing mode. Available speakers. Can search it. SC. SC. Family. Apple TV. SC. Whatever. There we go. Next time, just say, connect my speaker. Okay, good news. I'm just going to turn mute off. And I'm going to say something like, um, Alexa, play some smooth jazz. Here's a station for smooth jazz music. Smooth jazz. Kenny G. Yep. That sounds great. But I want to get something with a little more just so maybe you can tell as well. But it's definitely coming through the speaker. Sounds wonderful. Alexa, next. Alexa, stop. Well, you get the idea. It sounds great, and I'm thrilled that it works. And I believe all the other features of Echo have been well explored on this and other podcasts, so I won't continue any further. But thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this unboxing and setup. There were a couple of snags here and there, so that kind of surprised me, but we did okay. Thanks so much. Hello there. Back again with some thoughts afterward. I just wanted to point out that I believe the reason for that initial snag with setup is that I didn't realize that the unit was powering up in setup mode because it was brand new and hadn't been set up yet. Also, I was using the little card that came up on the home screen that said, oh yeah, we're happy that you have a new Echo and you can set up from here. Or maybe it was just to get more info. I wonder if I had just gone directly to the settings menu and played around there, I might have moved along a little bit faster. Who knows? As for Bluetooth, I still have no explanation for that, but it still continues to connect to the speaker just fine. 
and I have been enjoying the unit very much. I noticed that the responsiveness is not exactly the same as the original Echo, but it works very well once you get the hang of it. Sometimes I wait for it to make the little indicator noise that it has heard me before I continue with something rather than trying to get it all done at once. We have a brief announcement. Roku has reported a new release of their OS which provides accessibility on the Roku devices. We look forward to reporting on that soon. Also, Janine recently got a buzz clip. We'll be bringing that to you shortly as well. Main Menu is a program sponsored by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. It airs every Friday evening beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream, and it repeats every four hours until 5 p.m. the following day. You can listen using any internet-connected device, use the ACB Link iOS app, grab it as a podcast, or call 605-475-8130 at airtime. Are you interested in contributing content? Do you have ideas or suggestions? Feel free to email mainmenu at acbradio.org or reach out to us on Twitter at Main Menu. Thank you so much for listening.